Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a musician, a record producer, a Grammy and Emmy-winning, an Oscar-nominated singer-songwriter, and one of the most popular recording artists and live performers of the last 50 years. You know his dozens of popular songs recorded both with one-time musical partner Jim Messina and as a solo artist including House at Pooh Corner, a Danny song, Your Mama Don't Dance, Angry Eyes, This Is It, Celebrate Me Home, Don't Fight It, Whenever I Call You Friend and Heart to Heart, just to name a few. He also contributed unforgettable songs such as Footloose, Danger Zone, uh, mid, Meet Me Halfway, Nobody's Fool and I'm Alright, to hit films including Top Gun, Footloose, and Caddyshack, earning him the nickname King of the Soundtracks. In a prolific career spanning six decades, he sold 25 million albums, uh, won two Grammys, whereas recorded numerous gold and platinum albums and worked with music icons Michael Jackson, Smokey Robinson, Steve Nicks. Stevie da- Nicks. Stevie <laughs> Nicks. And no, brother that's, Steve. that's her brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he, he never made it. <laughs> Steve Nicks. He had one, one hit. <laughs> and David Crosby. Uh, Graham Nash, Grace Slick, Michael McDonald, Clint Black, and Olivia Newton-John, as well as our one-time podcast guests, uh, Richard Marks, Peter Asher, Dennis Lampert, and Jimmy Webb. Frank and I are thrilled to welcome to the show a genuine rock and roll legend and a man who says... He learned to play instruments by sneaking his brother's guitar down the hall. The wall. At Dad. <laughs> no, I think it was Steve Nick. It was Steve and I. Who did, that. Who did it? Down, <laughs> like down I, the like wall. Like I said, very little professional. Yes. <laughs> and carefully putting back before he came home the multi talented Kenny Loggins. Thank you and good night. Yeah. And Kenny, you're you're not by yourself here. No, that's Rick Cowling who came with me in case in case you forced me into making any music. Welcome, Rick. Yes, well, Thank so, you. welcome, Kenny. So you've heard the show before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We just warned him. We just gave him a list of all the people you sang with. I've, have you ever worked with Steve Nicks? Yes. yes uh. Uh, an unsung hero of the music business. Yeah. He's a silent genius. His sister was pretty good, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said something that stuck with me. You said when you were hosting American Idol, and <clears throat> and your que- what was the question you would ask every contestant? Help me out. Okay. Uh, you asked them, why are you here? <laughs> yes. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. Why are you here? Why do you want to uh, make it? Yeah. Well, it, it struck me that um, their premise is, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that um, this is gonna this is gonna make your life better, right? You can be an overnight sensation, and you, all your problems will go away, and you will have a wonderful life. And the premise is incorrect. Yes, <laughs> you know it just doesn't work that way. And uh, and so it, that was one of the questions I asked. But the I remember there was a girl on who was the daughter of a psychic, and she claimed to be a psychic, and she had a career as a psychic, but she wanted to be the next American Idol. And they asked her, they said, uh, are you going to win this because you're a psychic, right? She said, yes, I'm going to be the next American Idol. So she comes out, and she sings, and she is pretty horrible. And, <laughs> and they got to me, and I said, I've never seen anyone ruin two careers at once before. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And, but you know that was that was that i'd been drinking <laughs> i think i'll use that as my punchline to everything that. tonight you, you know what's funny about what you said i remember when i first started getting interested in going into show business i i had the idea that if you're in show business you're never depressed you're never unhappy you're never frustrated everything Everything that bothers normal people doesn't affect you. It's and then, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're clearly not a normal person, so yeah, that, that didn't work out. <laughs> he, he, he came up with that after knowing you for 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, your kids are, in, are going into the business. I mean, you've got a couple of children now that are, that are musicians. Well, my they, oldest boy went in for a while. Crosby? And Crosby went yeah. in, and he quit at 29 when he realized – what you were saying, Gilbert, that it wasn't the, the answer to all the problems. And actually, it was creating a whole lot of new ones. And uh, but he was so frustrated. By the, by the time he hit that, that age, he said to me, Dad, why don't you get out of the way? <laughs> if you would just go away, maybe I'd have a shot. Really? At no, but he's cool. He's, he's got his own IT business in Santa Barbara. He's doing really well. And he's married and has... My uh, my first grandchild, so you know my granddaughter Pfeiffer, and so that's part of uh, what I did when we were Frank and I were talking earlier, and I told him that I wrote a new verse to Danny's song for my granddaughter, and so it's because you have to remember that Danny's song was a song I wrote for my brother Dan. I was a senior in high school. His his child was had just been born, his first child, and you see this circle going around. All the time, and then I'm I'm watching my own children. I had five of my own, and you know, so this just keeps going. I figured I'd let the song grow up with my life. It makes sense. You you did and, neither discourage or or, oh, or oh, encourage yeah. your kids um, when they when when you knew they were going to go into the business. No, I. Um, it was more like um, I'll encourage any of my children to do anything they're dreaming of. You know, and he really wanted to do that. He really had that thing going. He did an MTV show mm-hmm. called Rock the Cradle yeah, and, and won it. Of, well, the kids of famous people that are all trying to go into the music business. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, it just, it wasn't the thing that was going to work for him. And, and before we get too late out of it, I have to ask you to do some of Danny's song. Oh, okay. As long as you're on the subject. Well, does anybody have a guitar? 
<laughs> Here, you can use mine. You know, we... <laughs> <laughs> All right, got to get one. All right, huh? there you go. I'm sure that these guitars... Let me see. If I do this and sing <clears throat> down a little, it might work. That should work. Is it? It is? Oh, good. They got it. Got it. People smile and tell me I'm the lucky one And we've just begun Think I'm gonna have a son You'll be like she and me as free as a dove Conceived in love Sun is gonna shine above Even though we ain't got money so in love, I need everything will bring a change. Love in the morning when I rise, bring a tear of joy to my eyes and tell me everything's gonna be alright. Love the girl who holds the world in a paper cup. Only dream you can do Love her and she'll bring you love If you find she helps your mind Brother, take her own home Boy, don't you live alone Try to run with lovers on Even though we ain't got money I'm so in love Honey Fantastic. 
The, ly- you, the lyrics are... gets higher. What's every, that? Every year. <laughs> it gets a little higher? Yeah. Same thing. I don't know. They, they're changing pitch on me. The, 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 there was a letter that you that you sent to your brother? And, no, and a letter the, I got from my brother. And the lyrics were so lifted some, right out of the some letter. Some of the lyrics were Beautiful. pulled right out of the letter. Beautiful. Was this the same brother whose guitar you, you, mm-hmm. you snatched down from the... <laughs> oh, so you more than made it up to him. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> How did this song get to, to Anne Murray? Kenny, because she does. She a, took it uh, off the off the first Loggins and Messina she did. record. She did a lovely version of it. Yeah, she did a great version of it, and and then um, uh, I wrote a song called Love Song. Right. And um, and so I took it right to her. Then at that point, I I met her and you know showed her some stuff, and then when um, when uh, the I was vindicated with Love Song because because Jimmy uh, Jimmy didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't want Love Song on Messina. the second. Re- yeah. Really? <laughs> he didn't want it on the second album. And uh, so um, then when she loved it and she turned it into a hit, and I said, I think we should put it on the record. Oh, well, you, yeah. <laughs> you were vindicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful and, piece of music. And I, I think on, on your tombstone, there's going to be, he did the music for Caddyshack 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, only if I go to hell. <laughs> you had to bring up Caddyshack, yes. too. Yeah, I, you know, I think I auditioned for a role in Caddyshack. We bring it up uh, to tell our really? listeners. Kenny yeah. was talking about it when he I'm came not in. good enough to be in Caddyshack, Caddyshack 2. two. <laughs> that, that's a level of excellence yes. that very few people achieve. Which part did you audition for, Pratel? I think. I think it was the part that was supposed to have originally been Sam Kinison. And then it went to Randy Quaid when Sam Kinison dropped out. Wow. And uh, Seems and, like a logical second. Don't you yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you see Randy Quaid do it, it sounds like he's doing an imitation of Sam Kinison. Yeah, yeah. I think you dodged a bullet. Yeah. Safe to say. Oh, yeah. Right? oh yeah. 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 Are you totally self-taught? Kenny, you didn't take Pretty it? much, yeah. Yeah. Just and then the harmonica too. Well, I had a. I mentioned him today. I had a guitar teacher when I was in high school, and um, Ran, Randy Rod Rod Ruggles. Is this the Lawrence Welk guy? No. Oh, that was. No, <laughs> you've you've done your homework. <laughs> That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, uh, the first guitar teacher I had, I was in like the seventh grade, and he played guitar in Lawrence Welk's band. Mm-hmm. So there were guitar teachers. Well, I, I I went to like three classes. You did. You yeah. wanted wanted me to learn scales, and <laughs> so you're self you're self taught. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And weren't you at one point you were listening to your brothers try to write a song? And, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's well, that was when I was God, fifth, sixth grade, somewhere in there. And my big brothers decided that rock and roll sounded so easy <laughs> that that they would write a song, <laughs> and it took them months. And I, I remember thinking, it's got to be easier than this. <laughs> can't Dan, be that tough. Dan is your one brother, and, and the other brother Dan, is? Dan is four years older than me. Uh-huh. And uh, at this moment, he lives in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, but his house is for sale, so please check uh, Connecticut <laughs> we'll, get, we'll put that out there. <laughs> Which, you said, one, you said one brother was, was kind of turning you on to rock, and the other brother was turning you yeah, on Dan to country. Was, Dan was more of the rock guy. I see. And, um, and so he was teaching. Uh, turning me on to everything from Elvis Presley through the Coasters, Little Richard, Fats Domino, stuff like that. And 
And then my my big brother was more of a folky guy in some country, and that um, that influenced me. So my first band was a folk band because that seemed easy to do. You know, three chords and you're yeah. a folk band. Yeah. When did you wind up at, at Wingate? You were young, right? Writing was, a, a, ABC Wingate. That was. Uh, when I when I moved out from my family home and got a place of my own, I rented a a, a half a duplex in East LA, mm-hmm. sixty five bucks a month. Nice, but in nineteen oh nine things were cheaper. <laughs> sixty five a month. Sixty five bucks a month, and my my first job was as a songwriter was with ABC Wingate, which doesn't exist anymore, and they paid me a hundred bucks a week. Which must have seemed like a, a small fortune. Well, yeah, at the time, in, yeah, yeah, in nineteen oh nine. Yeah, and how, how did you meet and wind up with Messina? Well, I loved Buffalo Springfield, and that was a band that was a big influence to me. And so um, I saw that Jimmy Messina was producing Buffalo Springfield, so I was trying to get in touch with him. And at the same time that I was trying to reach out to him, my brother. And his best friend got hired by Clive Davis to be A&R trainees for Columbia Records. And so they extended that connection to Jimmy Messina once they got inside. And um, it was through them that I met Jimmy and, and auditioned for him. He was, by that time, a staff producer with Columbia Records. And he passed on Dan Fogelberg, famously. That's right, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky for me. <laughs> I just Otherwise, wanna... it would have been Loggins and, or no, it would have been Fogelberg and Messina. Messina. Doesn't scan. And, and sound kind you, of Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. anyway. You said Messina was like a mentor to you in the mm-hmm. beginning. Very much. Well, you know, he'd been part of Buffalo Springfield. He'd uh, founded Poco. He'd been on the road for like six years by the time I met him. And he knew how to put a band together, how to make a record, how to find management and agency. And so... I just pretty much went to school on, you know, everything that he could teach me. And plus he was a, a good producer. And, um, and so I watched a lot of that. And when you guys discovered that when you started singing together, you just, you, you realized you had a kind of an Everly Brothers vibe. There was a, going. yeah, there was definitely a blend, you know, vocal thing that, um, we recognized right away. And, um, we we didn't write together that much. We wrote Mama Don't Dance. We wrote Angry Eyes. Mm-hmm. A couple of good songs that did well. And But, you know, I was still focused on my solo career. Loggins and Messina was a side trip. That the first record was called Kenny Loggins with Jimmy Messina sitting in. Right. Based on the idea that we would do one record together. You know, like jazz kind of thing. You, know, you sit in for a song. And... um we figured we would break up and he would produce my solo record as the second record. And when we turned the record into Clive Davis at Columbia Records, he said, I love it. And there's no way I'm going to release the record of a band that's going to break up. So he said, I want a, I want a commitment you know, of six years from you guys and as much music as I can force you to put out. And uh, so we ended up doing you know, about five records in that time. I love those albums. They meant so much to me no, thank in, the, you. in the 70s. I mean, for, for something that was, would you call it an accidental partnership? I mean, you That's, guys wound up selling 16, 17 million records. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it, those mean, were good days. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say so. And you said uh, like disco and disco came along. Mm-hmm. That like looked like it was going to totally kill your career. Well, it killed a lot of careers. Yeah, and, and, you know when that happened. But I got lucky. Like, like so many times in my career, I got lucky and did an end run around disco when the movies came along. And the first movie that I did was uh, uh, Caddyshack. And I wrote like three songs for that. That that was John Peters produced Caddyshack. And John, I met John when he was with Barbara Streisand. When I went to uh, show Barbara some song ideas for Star is Born. And then we would hang out and just go through, you know, things and sing. Singing duets with Barbara Streisand was hipper than singing with Jim Messina. I can imagine. That was cool. And um, so then when he went solo, so to speak, I mean, John Peters, uh, he called me up and said, I got this movie you got to see. And so I came in and loved it. That was the first Caddyshack, not the one you auditioned for. There was temp music in Caddyshack when you went when you went yeah. to see it. Yeah, temp music is the music that the director puts in a spot where they where basically they're saying there's some music here. I don't know what it is, but I want it to feel like this. And the, the opening of the movie had a Bob Dylan song in it, and it was basically the lead character Danny. We're, we're you're talking about Caddyshack. Lead ca- character Danny's yeah. riding his bike through right. the suburbs, and. Um, and I thought that's really strange that this kind of preppy kid is riding a bike and they're playing Dylan. So I took from that that they, they wanted a character that was was or would become fiercely independent, uh, you know, like a rebel. Yeah. So I wrote "I'm All Right," and actually, um, Steeler's Wheel had a hit out that time called Stuck in the Middle sure, of You. Sure, Jerry Rafferty. Yeah. Jerry was imitating Dylan on that song. Wow. Yeah, wonder uh, what you do is right. Never made that connection. And I just, I loved that song and I loved what he was doing. So when it got to I'm All Right, um, I, I went, I'm all right, nobody worry about me. Why you got to give me a fight? So that was my sort of weak Dylan imitation voice. (laughs) But I was trying to do that guy. (laughs) Uh, Just now that you brought up Caddyshack, and you see we jump around all over the place, but I have to ask about Mr. Knight. I have to get up and jump around for a while. Right. (sighs) Mr. Knight was on one of the the solo records. Was it on Keep the Fire? Yeah. Yeah. But so written for Caddyshack or it pre-existed? Pre-exist. Well, I don't know. You know, yeah. time and me don't get along. Okay. But maybe I wrote it. No. It pre I'm pretty sure it pre-existed. Uh that was uh m- me and Richard Steckel, a musician out of Laguna Beach. Um we were writing a, a Steely Dan song. The goal was to write a lyric that no one would understand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do I some do that research. All the time. <laughs> yeah, right. My wife loves that song, and we never knew what it was about. And we finally found out that Da Tommaso was a that, that was a car. Di Tommaso, Di Tommaso. Lam- Lamborghini Di Tommaso. Lincoln. Yeah, and I'm, I just got invited by Jay Leno to be on his car show with him. And he said, "Is there any car in the world that you'd like to drive?" And I thought, "Well, I could tie that song in and drive a Perfect. Lamborghini." And then 
And then somebody said, yeah, and if you step on the gas wrong, you're dead. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe a Volkswagen. Here's Love that. the hell out of that song. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. This has nothing to do with anything, of course. I'm good at that. <laughs> Stuck in the middle with you, they sued. Um, what, Tarantino? Cheryl Crow. Oh, Cheryl Crow. Oh, yeah, for really? she, yeah. What was that song she uh, had? Yeah, um, uh, all I wanna do is yes, have yes, some yep. fun. Yeah, and I think wow, they that's won. That's a loose affiliation. Wow, yeah. Gilbert, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can go back to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, remembering one thing a day is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> how old were you when you wrote Danny's song? You were young, seventeen. Seventeen. And House at Pooh Corner, you were? 17. Amazing. Thank you. you got to tell the House at Pooh Corner story, because uh, it's such a good story. I know you've told it a lot, but yeah, it's- but, but it is a good story. It's really terrific. Um, so um, I was uh, first year of what would be a year and a half at City College in Pasadena, and uh, a buddy of mine and I would go around you know, singing for friends, and I taught him House at Pooh Corner stuff. And so anyway- he said, Doug Inglesby said, uh, there's a girl I want you to meet. Uh, and so we went out to her house. And anyway, the story is that I, as a songwriter, I went to different uh, parties around Hollywood and I would sit around and, and the guys would show up, guys and girls would show up with their guitars. We'd sit in a circle and take turns trading tunes. And at this one particular party, I was there with, uh, a couple of guys in the circle were from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And um, I had written the House of Pooh Corner song by that time. And they loved the song about the bear. They were making their, I guess, second record. I always thought it was their first. That was the Uncle Charlie record. And they wanted to do the song about the bear. And about a month into the process, I got a phone call from Bill, Bill McEwen, who was the manager of the Dirt Band. He said, I hate to tell you this, but we can't record that song. The Disney lawyers are all over it. They've, they've got a copyright on that guy, and we can't— uh, On Winnie the Pooh. On Winnie the Pooh, and we can't do the song. And I never even thought about, you know, a copyright on it. It was just a book I read, you know. <laughs> I didn't know about that stuff then. And um, so I was going on a date, and I told Marnie, I said, ah, I'm kind of bummed. I thought I had my first song recorded, and it's not going to happen. The Disney lawyers— Killed it in the water. And she said, Disney lawyers? Well, let me talk to daddy about that. Her daddy was the CEO of the Disney Corporation. Incredible story. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, proving there is a God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's looking out for me. That is kismet. Yeah. Like I told you, a lot of lucky things happen in a career to make a career happen. You know, some, some kind of guided thing that. Happens every now and then. Yeah, and doing the research on you, that came up a lot. You you feel like luck has played a, lot. a very active role yeah. and, in various successes. And you, well, you made a, an album for both adults and children. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I call it Music to Make and Enjoy Children by. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's not actually called that, but I You've call it. You've done a few. That. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, the first one, Return to Pooh Corner. Um, when I realized that um, 
well, I was about to have my fourth child and I realized that Barney was going to enter my life again in, in a big way. <laughs> I panicked. <laughs> Somebody's got to make a record the parents can listen to, too. Yeah, that's a public service you did there. <laughs> yeah, right. Card Walker. Card, that's what I told the story. Card yeah, Walker. The, yeah. He was the CEO of the Disney Corporation. Work, I worked for the company and I'd never heard for Card Walker, of Card Walker before, so I had to do my research. Ah. That, is, that is a lot of luck. Yeah. There. Yeah, and, and another lucky break was. Uh, uh, danger Zone. Um, I wasn't supposed to be the singer on that. Um, they had the, the, there's a lot of urban legend around that. Um, um, Kevin, what's his name? Ario. Um, he thought he was at, Cronin. Yeah, he was supposed to sing it, but also Mickey Thomas of the Starship said mm-hmm. he was supposed to sing it. But the lawyer and also uh, um, Toto. There, there was some talk of Toto doing it. And, um, but I guess their lawyers screwed it all up. And finally I got a call from Giorgio Moroder's office that said, I was in the, I was in the studio down the street recording playing with the boys, a song that I'd written for the volleyball scene. Cause I knew no one would write for that scene. And I got a call from his office said, are you available? We need a singer tomorrow because we have to dub this into the movie in like two days. So, um, I, I said, is it up-tempo? Because I've been writing nothing but ballads. Wow. And, and they said, yeah, it's a rocker. And I said, I'm there. So I just showed up, made a few tweaks on the tune, and we recorded it. Am I crazy, day. or is that the song where you were trying to inject a little Tina Turner? Uh, that's, well, you, good ear, that's, or good eye, perhaps. That's, uh, uh, that's true. I was, I was deep into the, what Tina was doing in her resurgence, and I sort of, if you listen to it that Danger zone thing was that was Tina. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that you that, that musicians are influenced enough by other musicians to try to do a little bit of mimicry. You bring that it in a there. little Dylan here, a yeah. little Tina Turner there. Yeah. I, there is no me actually. I'm, <laughs> I'm just weak versions of other people. No, so you're, funny. you're old friend. Da- danger zone to me is like boy. If anything says '80s movies, yeah, that song is it. Yeah, it's. It, it, and it's amazing how it's made this comeback. It's it's iconic now. There's another one there was in the works, right? a period of time where it just didn't matter. I could put it in the show. And, and Footloose, too. Footloose wouldn't get people up and dancing for a year. It wasn't cool, especially at the back end of the disco era. And then all of a sudden, it was cool again. Is that you singing Footloose in the in So the there's TV? hope for you yet. <laughs> <laughs> there is hope, Gilbert. You may come back into Vogue. Hang in long enough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One one other thing about Loggins and Messina, when you guys, and by the way, those records, for me, you know, there were certain albums in the 70s that everybody had to have, like Tapestry and Yellow Brick Road, mm-hmm. and Sitting In and On Stage were, you know, oh, those, wow. were those were must-owns huh? for... Where, where exactly did you live? Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains After it. After the gold rush, mm-hmm. there were certain albums that everybody mm-hmm. had to have. When you guys got together uh, again after so many years, I, and I, I found this interesting, you know, the dynamics had changed so dramatically between you. You weren't feeling competitive anymore. Oh, yeah, that, that, the change of, uh, you were just getting older, yeah. you know, seasoned. And, and it's funny, it, it takes um, a conscious effort to break out of that old habit. You know, like, like the partnerships like Martin and Lewis and people like that, that just end up hating each other forever. That's a good example. You know? Oh, yeah. And 
there's we were 21, 22, 23 years old together figuring out who we were as individuals and suddenly we're thrust into a, a duo situation where we're attracted to the same women. We reach for the same code on the, the store hanger. It's like we just were too in sync and the, there became a certain uh, competitive nature. And, th- and then you have to remember – Jimmy came into Loggins and Messina as the producer, so he's not just half right. of the of the the musical entity. He's also the producer of the entity. So if he and I don't get along, we ask the producer what he wants, which is him. So it was really never it was never a relationship <laughs> was of, not, of equals. It was not an equal right. partnership in right. that way, and so it became frustrating for me. Right, but you know, once we actually uh, we were we were cutting a live album, and he and I. We were at a sound check, and, and he and I got in an argument, and I got so frustrated, I threw my harmonica up into the stands. There were no people there. And he t- comes to me, and he says in this prescient kind of way, he says, uh, dude, he says, I've been here before. We better break up before we hate each other. Oh, interesting. And it was the smartest thing that I'd ever heard anybody do. It was like really self-aware. He'd been there, and he knew what it felt like. And we were lucky that way that we broke up before we got to that place where you know you just hate that person you can't stand you got to break away and because of that we've retained a friendship that's grown over the years more like war buddies that's nice of, instead of you know competing anymore see gilbert and i oh. hated each other right yes. off the bat. <laughs> yeah so there's nowhere to go <laughs> it's just gonna get nowhere better. to go yes. but, di- but down uh, but it was sweet i thought when you said when you got on stage all those years later you hadn't heard that sound in so oh, yeah. long that magical sound yeah. that you guys made it caught my attention yeah like, oh yeah there we are it, yeah. it's funny because most sweet. people when when that starts happening it it they wait till it's true hatred. Yeah, well, you're up. you're riding the money train, right? It's, yeah, it's too uh, seductive to get off. But I was very excited about going solo because, like I say, when I met him, I was ready to go solo. So that was like pulling the arrow back in the bow. It was taut and ready to go. But foolish naivete, you also called it. This, oh, this, this, yeah. <laughs> this idea that yeah, well, it was just going to be as successful. Right. Of what course, did I know? you just go from being a success to being a success. And I had no idea that there could be a bottomless pit there. Right, right. You watch the show The Office? You know this, you know this, you know this I, joke I, that I, I'm talking about? No, I don't. Do you know the joke? Rick, I should. No, there's a character, Stanley, and he's he's uh, he's driving around a sports car in Florida. You know where I'm going with this? I think so. Oh, yeah, and he yeah, says, yeah. I get in and one. put on some Kenny Loggins. Oh, and he goes, Jim's oh, yeah. character says, oh, coming up, Loggins and Messina. And he says, did I say Messina? <laughs> <laughs> Would Jim laugh at that? No. No. <laughs> Opening for Fleetwood Mac, yeah. When you when you launch your solo career, mm-hmm. first of all, how insane was that? I mean, how how much did the crazy soap opera that was Fleetwood Mac leach into it, your it, world? It did permeate my world uh, quite a bit. I know the the band went down the abyss before me, but yeah. eventually I did too. You know, there was just a lot of cocaine everywhere. And after a while, but it didn't take me long to figure out it really wasn't a good time. You know, four in the morning, 
sitting there going, why was I born? Why did I cut my hair? I look like a squirrel. It was not a fun time. Right. But you and Steve Nix. <laughs> There was, there was, we hung out. We picked up chicks together. Yeah, yeah. Her asking He's ignored you ignored in the business. Her saying, "If you ever want a a, a a chick singer to sing on one of your songs, that yeah. that's kind of a turning point." That for you. was that was incredibly generous of her, and I always say that Stevie was um, instrumental in launching my solo career because a lot of people, a lot of guys were trying to go solo from their bands or from duos. You know, ask Daryl. It wasn't a piece of cake. And uh, Daryl Hall. Daryl Hall. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I had, you know, good material. I'd made Celebrate Me Home, which I'm happy to say got no good reviews. Yeah, I saw you say that in an interview. It wasn't Loggins and Messina. Right. And um, now they consider it like the quintessential Kenny Loggins record. But back then it Great stuff on that weird. record. And and Thank a lot you. of variety. Because I believe in love is like a is like a Cuban thing and then yeah. there's 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 celebrate me home and And tell us what it was like working with Clive Davis. Clive was brilliant. And I when I read his book, I sent him a note and said, Had I known you were that smart, I would have shut up. <laughs> wow. He he knew exactly what he was doing and he had amazing ears and he he could hear a hit. He knew he knew what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, the fact that he heard Loggins and Messina, like we talked earlier and said, I like you guys. I want you to be on the label, you know, but I want a guarantee of six years. He, he knew what he was after and, and it paid off. Were your feelings mixed on one hand? Here's a guy offering me, a, you know, a, a big deal, a long mm. deal, a long-term mm. deal, which is, what, I guess, what people want in the music business. At yeah. the same time, I'm having to table my solo dreams. Uh, no, my feelings weren't that mixed at that time. I was just excited to get a record deal, and I, Jimmy and I got along great. We had very simpatico tastes in what, what we wanted to do musically, and it made sense, you know. Uh, and six years didn't seem that long a time to me. Yeah. I and, love those songs. Yeah, thank My you. My music and Angry Eyes, and it goes on and on. Yeah. Speaking of playing together, how did you guys hook up? Well, you and Rick. Well, that's a term that the kids use in a different I'm way. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I should let you know that <laughs> now that you're how did, over 40. How did you meet and become professionally acquainted? How did we meet? Well, I was playing a, I was playing a trio with Steve DeStanislaw, the drummer, uh -huh. and, uh, and um, Shem. We were doing oh, really? a little rock trio. These are guys that were in his uh, traveling band. And right then you were looking for somebody, some uh, guitar player, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they said, we love you, man. You got to, Kenny, love you. Are you in? Would you want to do it? So yeah. the next day I got a, an email from Kenny Loggins and I said, this is, you know, the real Kenny Loggins yeah. just emailed me. Well, it was really cool though. And you invited me up. We sat on your couch and played uh, Winnie the Pooh and. Danny's song. And, and the rest is history. It's history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Now we've been no. married 16 years. <laughs> 16. Still haven't hooked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been great. What's your favorite Kenny song to play live? Oh. You put him on the spot. Uh, yeah. Real, I think real thing. But I, but oh, I, really? But yeah, you don't know just, it. You know what, why it is? Is because, it, it, yeah. you know, that whole record actually, Leap of Leap of Faith. You know it? Can you play real uh, Yeah. 
Let me think about it for a second. We could do, but conviction too. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, we'd love to hear And there's conviction. a great, would you be into ta talking about Leap of Faith? Because sure. there's another lucky, lucky thing that happened with the tapes. And stuff. Oh God, that's a good story. That's you don't an, have that one. If you guys no, I don't. have this story, oh my. Um, okay, so Leap of Faith became one of those incredible moments in an artist's career that chronicles a major change in your life. It was a transformational period of my life. My first marriage was coming apart and I started writing songs about that. And then in the process of that happening, the marriage came apart and within six months I was in a new relationship in, in a love affair. So I got to write about that. So this becomes a cycle of leap of faith is chronicles that entire process of transformation, dissolution, and then falling in love and rebirth. And so all the music that came out of that was just really in the zone. And in the, in the process of making the record, I'm about halfway through the record, maybe no three quarters of the way through the record. And I decided to move my headquarters out of LA and move up to Santa Barbara. So we rented a truck and I put the Mitsubishi 32 track digital machines and the amps and guitars and all the gear in the truck. And it was being trucked up from LA to Santa Barbara. And on the way there, the truck driver stopped and went in to get some lunch at Denny's or something. And the truck got stolen and all the master tapes were in the back of the truck. So in, in those days, um, you had your master tapes was the original recordings of your bass drums, guitars, maybe work vocals, maybe some overdubs, but that's the stuff you're going to go back to. You need the most high fidelity on that stuff. And then you make copies of that where you dub everything down to maybe four tracks. And that gives you a whole bunch more tracks to work with. And the copies are called slaves. So I was working on, a series of slaves. So we had all the master tapes and some of the slaves in the truck when the truck was stolen. Simultaneously, Columbia Records got a new president and the, the new president of the label was Don Einer. And Donnie came in, looked at the budget of the money I was spending and said, I need to hear something off this record. And um, the tapes were missing. So I had to make a choice. Do I continue recording on the slaves and hope that the masters come back where you can reassemble everything onto one master tape or do I try to take the time and money to recreate the masters, re-record re them and try to fit the additional information. Anyway, it would have been a nightmare. But I knew the minute I heard about it, a part of me knew that they were going to come back and I didn't panic at all. I talked to my A&R, my Bobby Columbian, Bobby said, you know about the tapes, man. And I'm really sorry. I said, that's okay. It's going to be all right. He said, what drug are you on? I want some. <laughs> 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 and I knew that, I just knew that it was going to be all right. So going on about four or five days before my deadline to show Don Einer my songs, and I just kept recording vocals. I kept recording everything I could. Um, Going about five days before that deadline of meeting him. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the premise of that deadline is if he doesn't like what he hears, he's going to drop me from the label because 
Wow. It's a tricky time, you know, for a record company. And so uh, about five days before, the police found the truck, about two blocks from where it was stolen. Oh. <laughs> so they must have been looking really hard. And they, they found, but everything was missing from the truck except the master tapes, which had been moved from the back of the truck to the cab and locked up in the cab. So that, that was like a miracle. And we pulled all the master tapes into the studio. Terry Nelson and I were up for like three days straight assembling everything. So for me, this was like a huge rush because now was the first time that I got to hear all my stuff in one place at one time. And the record just came together like the perfect puzzle. And um, I drove I, I drove to meet Donnie Einer at his bungalow at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. And on the way there, Shep Gordon, my manager, you should probably interview him. We had Shep here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he was there. On the way there, Shep was pulling walls out of his office. And he had his artists, you know, Raquel Welch and Cher mm -hmm. and people like that. He had him come by and sign the wall. So he asked me to sign the wall. And so on the way to this meeting with Donnie, I stop at Shep's and I sign the wall, it is a good day to die, which is a quote from, from Geronimo going into battle. Wow. That the premise is that if you go in already dead, you have nothing to lose. That's wild. Yeah. What made you think, what made you have the confidence to think, I just know this stuff's going to come back. It's going to be recovered. I just you just felt it and I felt it it was that the music had poured out of me so effortlessly and the and making the record was like paint by numbers I knew exactly how I wanted it to go and I just felt like you don't get that level of art and that moment in your life and this had been 6 months of my work and I just said you don't get that and have it go away wow so a little uh, level of spirituality yeah. infused in and, my life, and even more that luck that you that, yeah. that you've that you've talked about. Well, it makes you question what what is luck. It made me question it. I think about not it all him. The time. It wouldn't make him. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to play something else? Yeah. Well, let's do "Conviction of the Heart." That's oh, that's from one. "Leap of Faith," and um, this. Uh, Oh, wrong track, wrong track. Here we go. Um, this is um, a song that has been called uh, Environmental Anthem. Um, I got asked to rewrite the lyrics to this to make it more on point for, for as an environmental anthem. And I said, no, it's it's done it's not need it doesn't need to be rewritten because the environmental movement is not a it should not be a finger pointing movement about you do this and you do that except that for me the the issue is a, a spiritual one it's it's our it's each individual's awareness of his connection to each other and to the planet and so Conviction of the Heart becomes a song about someone who wakes up from his sense of aloneness and gets that we're all in this together. So. 
dreams that we once had This is the time to bring them back What were the promises Caught on the tips of our tongues Do we forget or forget There's a whole lot of life If my feet were not mine Such is the path I chose Doors I have opened and closed I'm tired of living this life Fooling myself Believing we're right when I'd never given Any conviction of the heart To stop somehow If that's too angry to breathe Water our children can't drink You've heard it hundreds of times You say you're aware Believe and you care Thank you, Gilbert. I appreciate it.
applause in that room. Look at that. All we right. got a standing ovation in, this, in the control room. Thank you. ran you. out of chairs, it looks beautiful. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast after this. Is that I? I heard you say some good songs come to you in dreams. Mm. Was that was that one? That was well the the song, germ of it. Guy and I, Guy Thomas and I wrote uh, that song, and the the verses and the the whole um, down your streets I walked alone all that stuff we wrote in the afternoon. Called it a night. Had dinner. I, I went to bed and I dreamed the chorus, the one with the earth with the sky. I woke up with that melody in my head. It's amazing to me. And I said, I went to him and I said, I don't know why, but this belongs in that song. So it took me a few years to actually understand what the connection of that refrain was to that song. So it'll. So sometimes you'll dream pieces and then the pieces won't fit into the puzzle until well down the line. Well, at least as far as understanding, but I right. know the music of it. Right. The music of it belongs belong together. How do you retain it? Who 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 can who can remember this stuff I've, when they wake up? I've taught myself to do that. That's I that's I remember incredible. I have usually a melody every morning and I and then I can assess whether it's worth recording or not. Wow. Did you have a little handheld thing? Yeah, well, I have my I had cassettes back in the day, but now I have my iPhone. Just yeah, use right. the memos. Will you wake up in the middle of the night and just put it right if into it's the It's good. Yeah, I'll lay there and I will actually think is this good enough to put down because I know I have to I have to set the pitch I have to say you know I'll, I'll sing the triad so I know what key it's in I tell myself what beat the song starts on because when you listen it a few days later you don't know if I'm if you're singing the downbeat or what it is yeah it's hard so to get I, back into that I lay place. the I lay the groove down and I'm playing the groove while I'm singing it I know what key it's in and then if I hear harmonic things to it Chord changes. I have to lay those in to outline what the harmonic changes would be. And fascinating. It's a lot of work. Early and I always morning. heard of <laughs> like music. So I really, I have to be motivated. I have to believe it's a really good song, or I'm sure, not going to wake course. myself up. And I, I always heard that like musicians have what they call the dummy lyrics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, most of my songs keep those. <laughs> <laughs> No, the the famous story of uh, McCartney's yesterday, right? Oh, scrambled, scrambled eggs, yeah. yeah. And um, but celebrate me home, I thought was my dummy dummy lyric because I didn't I didn't think it made any sense. And 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 then when I showed it to Phil Ramone in New York, he goes, "Yeah, that's what the brothers would say." Celebrate me celebrate home. Celebrate me home. Oh, T okay. T for two. Were the dummy lyrics. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. He said, these are the dummy lyrics. I'm going to write the song. And the guy said, no, no, those are the, those are the words. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Ramone. Yeah. And Bob James. I mean, you started working with the right people. Yeah. When, no you, went so, when you went solo. Yeah. And I got the lucky again there. Why does every songwriter want to write a Christmas song other than the obvious reasons? Well, the obvious the- reason is the <laughs> obvious reason. <laughs> yes. it's, it's because, you know, if you can have a song that comes around once a year, that's a major copyright. Yeah. We laugh at how many of the Christmas songs are written by, by Jews. 
by, yes. by, by, oh, Jewish, yeah, yeah. by Jewish writers. Yeah, all the classic Christmas White things. Christmas? Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All Jews. Yeah. 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 But a lot of but them. But they understand why you write a Christmas song. <laughs> 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 I think I'll write a Christmas song. You call yourself a natural collaborator. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I read the the autobiography, or no, the biography of George S. Cock. Found that so fascinating. That is so, I don't know why I did that. It was and the title of the book was The Great Collaborator. Yeah, yeah. And well, there was something about that that caught my attention. Well, when you're collaborating with a with a Michael McDonald or, or, or Richard Marks and Melissa Manchester, does it does it vary? Does the, the 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 process vary depending on people's strengths or? Yeah, it it you as a collaborator, you have to tune into the person you're working with, and and get a sense of where they're at and what it is they can bring to the table. And sometimes I lead and sometimes I support. Um, with Mike McDonald, he's got a, Michael has a very distinct, exact window that he lives in. And you have to meet him in that wheelhouse or or he's not going to follow you down just any road. You can't write a folk song with Mike McDonald. Just just something That's the title of my new album. <laughs> you can't write a folk, folk song, song with, with Michael Mike McDonald. McDonald. Just something hit me right mm-hmm. now, and it could be cut out if was, you don't. It was probably Frank. <laughs> but, uh, can can you sing often. something as Mike McDonald? Well, you actually, you, you know, when we, when we wrote What a Fool Believes, um, I heard him singing that melody Oh, before you even met. Before I met him. Yeah, that's fun You know, story. he was in the living room. The door was open, and it, and it was a hot day, and the door was open, and I was unpacking my guitar going up to his house, and I heard him singing, <laughs> which ended up being the exact words to that first verse. Those are the words. Those are the words. Those are the words. People don't know that. That's funny. So, so it changes, because I've heard you say even a song will just start with a phrase. It'll just start with usually a couple do. of I words a, I like. I have a shitload of things you've said tonight that I've kept in my phone. Now I'm going to use in a song and not give you credit for it. I love it. <laughs> I should be so okay. honored. Okay. Now, now, I know you've been waiting impatiently for us to do a, a bathroom two-way. break. <laughs> a footloose. He wants to sing with you, Ken. A yes. two-way of footloose. Now, do you, do that's you have... I, that's the only reason I said yes to this particular show. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love... You've always wanted to sing yeah, with me. I love the sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> now, now what? does he does he have to stop singing at these points? You want or? to attempt that with him? Or something maybe slower and easier? I, I, I like just pull out my fingernails or something. Instead. <laughs> 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 no, let's give it a try. Okay. Come on. It's <laughs> game. Yeah. So should we do it together or should we? Why don't you let, why don't you let me in on it? Why don't, huh? why don't you let Kenny start and you can pick up the part in the box? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I figured, well, do you I have a roadmap for me? Because apparently yes, this is. Yes. Well, uh, I figured that are there people, two pages on that? Is it? I, yeah. I, I figured people would know. Here. I thought you could do the top and he could do. If you don't do oh, the top oh, part, people oh, yeah. won't recognize it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could let's record this because we could have a whole new song out of this. Cause, cause, could they print up another? Do copy? you know the? Do you know the verse and everything? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. Well, good. He then, knows it. 
So I'm going to take it up to the first course, and then you take the first course. Yes, and then you'll start I, again. I'll, I'll harmonize with you. Is that possible? It's not mm, possible. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but this I like, could be I like your pluck, Ken. You know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to demonstrate morphing to collaborate. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. going to become okay. an extension of Gilbert Gottfried. This, this is an education. This is scary. <laughs> <laughs> drums back here. You want to join yeah, me on no, guitar? No, I think we got to be on guitar. And <laughs> <laughs> you want to get the uh, opening? First, you got to turn it around. Okay. See there? there. <laughs> you, you got, got to turn, turn me around. around. Okay, let's just get up. Wait a minute. Okay. Now, wait for the music. You wait, 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 wait. Okay. And two, three, four, and first. You got to turn me around and put your feet on the ground. Gotta take hold. Kick out the Sunday. 
Everybody cop. Everybody cop. Everybody cop. You got it. Everybody cop. You got it. Not yet ready for radio. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the children's Next time version. I'll make him rehearse. <laughs> I don't know. There was a certain level of of, of <laughs> internet perfection there. I think the sucker's already going viral. Will Dean Pitchford ever speak to you again? No. no. <laughs> I'm sure of that. I'm opening the door so we have air. Oh, yeah. good idea. A couple of quick questions from from uh, from admirers, and we'll get you guys out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Allenstein, uh, Canny, your first solo album was produced by the great Phil Ramone. Can you tell us one thing you remember about working with him? Oh, yeah. Well, um yeah, uh, we were we were he, he was brilliant as everyone knows and um and he knew it and we were mixing the the record which means we had everything recorded but um then you have to put it all together and in the mixing process I was sitting next to him and I said, "You know, I I'd like to try something where we have the the echo on my voice show up a fraction of a second after my voice, which nowadays is called pre-delay. But it was a new idea back then. And so the idea was to, to send the echo chamber to another track and then bring it back a little bit later. And it, about two hours later, the engineer had still not figured out how to do that. And Phil took an ashtray and threw it across the room into the window. Wow. And got up and walked out of the room. Because I'd hit him with one request, and it, it was like stump the band. <laughs> he just he hated he hated that. that well, I asked. I learned to stop asking for shit from that point. Wow! Like, you just mix the record. I'll hang out here. Great body of work, and those, yeah. those Billy Joel records. This is from your friend Richard Marks. Uh, I adore that man. Please ask him about the song, the one that got away. That was a song, of course, that I wrote with Richard Marks. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to get himself in. Right. And it, it is a song that um, I wrote for my son, Cody, uh, because in the process of divorce, um, he ended up living with his mother. And so it was a song about, you know, my regrets. Happy little ditty. Oh, you know what? I, without my help, uh, can you sing some of that? It, it was written on piano. Richard played oh. it on piano, and I, I don't know it. Oh. But you're welcome to play the record at home. When you- <laughs> <laughs> I can help you download it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Let's see. One last one from a fan. Uh, I can't tell you how special. This is from Jason Pagano. I can't tell you how special the song Playing with the Boys has always been to me. I read that you co-wrote. You also co-wrote music with Melissa Manchester, whom I also adore. Please tell me you've recorded music with her as well. And where can I, have, I, fan, I have find not, it? I have not, actually. Um, that was an uh, interesting and, and, you know, thin ice kind of territory because, I, I, as you said, I wrote Whenever I Call You Friend with Melissa. But when we wrote it, I knew it was the song I'd been waiting to record with Stevie. And uh, I had to tread carefully on that because they're both, you know, strong female singers. Um, but Melissa still talks to me, so I guess the checks helped. She's a great <laughs> talent. I want to ask about the do 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 do, and I'm all right. Was that a nod to 
the silhouettes to get a job? Yes. Yes, it was. And because uh, for some reason, uh, the line, get it up and get you a job, um, jumped out at me when I wrote that. And and that reminded me of get a job. You remember that? Yes. That's a wild song for so many reasons. And it's got that, am I correct in calling it almost like a gospel section in the middle? Oh, yeah. Of yeah. I'm All Right? Yeah. Um, what was the. I, it just came out of nowhere. behind that. It, it was, it came out of nowhere. It was just, I don't know, my tendency to, to not want to hold a groove too long. I decided to send it off into space for a minute. But the, the, the character is listening to everybody but himself. Mm -hmm. And so in that breakdown in the song, I say, listen to your heart, listen to your heart. So it became a kind of a serious moment of me and Danny. It's a, it, it, I can't imagine that movie uh, being as successful without that music. I mean, it's such a part of that movie. Uh, thank you. I mean, Footloose is a musical, so you kind of expect that. <laughs> but Caddyshack gets a lot of mileage yeah, from, from your music. John told me when, when I saw the, the rough, uh, rough cut, he said, oh, at this part here, there's going to be a, uh, like a puppet, like a gopher puppet dancing. And I said, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> Everything worked about that movie. Even that stupid yeah. gopher puppet kind of stole the show. Yeah. Is this bullshit? Because we have a lot of questions on the show that I, I sometimes while doing deep research, I find bullshit. Were that's you, a good name for this segment of the show. It is. <laughs> is this bullshit? Is this, now it's you, time for bullshit. Were you considered for the Christofferson part yeah, in A Star I, is Born? I get asked that a lot. Um, Where'd it come from? I don't know where it came from, <laughs> except that uh, there was a moment where um, John and, and Barbara, uh, we were going over songs, and Barbara said, do you act? Would you be interested in being in this movie? And I said, no, but thanks. Wow. But she does your song in the movie. She does, yeah, I Believe yeah. in Love. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's the only moment that where acting was mentioned. It was sort of like, you know, do, can you act? Do you do this? Actually, I had a, uh, I auditioned, in, in a loose, use that term loosely, um, for hair. Miklos Foreman. Yeah, Miloš. Yeah, Mi yeah Miloš Foreman. Yeah. Treat and, Williams was just in that chair, by the way, two weeks was? ago. Treat Williams. Oh, yeah. He was in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, that was the role that I was supposedly auditioning Burger? for. Burger? No, I took, I took the, uh, the meeting. Wow. And we were sitting at a, a large, like, dining table in an office. And he was sitting at one end, and his assistant was circling the table, walking. And I was sitting across from Milosh, and they were asking me questions. And at, at one point, uh, so, so his assistant would say, Milosh would like to know if you wear certain kinds of clothing. And I was like, no. <laughs> Milos would like to know what your musical experience is. And Milos is just sitting there. He's not saying anything. <laughs> That's weird. And, and, and after about 20, 30 minutes, he speaks up and he pulls his assistant over and he whispers in his ear. And the assistant says, Milos would like to know if you can dance. And I said, not really. And and he says, Milos says, 
never mind. Wow. <laughs> that was the <laughs> end of Finally, my... he spoke up. <laughs> my I'm own, trying to wrap right? my mind around hair starring Kenny Loggins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, wow. Because we had Beverly D'Angelo here, too, who was also in the movie. Uh-huh. You did a little acting, and, Gil- and you and Gilbert have this in common, mm-hmm. in addition to your, your singing, I know. your mastery. Right. Was it... Um, Family Guy. Oh. You're both... No, I thought you're you both... were going to talk about... Um, Grayson. No, the, the internet... Uh, Comedy. Thing. Oh, you did a funnier die thing. Funnier die. Yes. Well, a couple yeah. of funnier yes. die. You did that too, right? Uh, yeah, I, a I did. Is that uh, why you when you couldn't get any work? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. A few funnier dies. The other one was college humor, right? Where I did, you did uh, the bad taste through history. I uh, yes, soon. and I did too uh, soon. <laughs> he did that. I did. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried reads Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah. great! Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Kenny's in a family guy. He's in. Are you in two family yeah, a couple guys? Of them, yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm on two. I'm in. Uh, I'm a horse in one of them. <laughs> and and I can see I, that. I guess I was successful enough that they brought me back as a dog whistle. Dog whistle. That's brilliant. On the yeah. subject of acting, Rick, how did yeah. you wind up in Modern Family? Well, I've done a couple of. Uh, Sidelining gigs where I'm in in the you know I have a friend that books that stuff and okay. so um, and I they needed someone to sing a foreigner song so I I just I put that out there oh do you sound like that do you, yeah like yeah. Lou Graham is it yeah wow you want to do a little do a little Lou Graham for us <clears throat> what's the song that you we did uh, use it. Waiting for I want to know what love is it was that one want you to show me it was that one you know yeah, wow that sounds, that sounds pretty close yeah. he does a Bad or good, bad meaning good for you older people. (laughs) Uh, Steve Perry. We do 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 don't fight it, right? Yeah. That's a nice talent to have, to be able to sing as other people. Well, listen, this guy tried to sing as Tina Turner. Yeah. Yeah, But I failed miserably. Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness, actually. What do you guys want to plug? What's going on? Kenny, you're writing a memoir. Can you talk about uh, it? Well, not really. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Most of it you just heard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I've just started working on it and and, uh, taking, you know, being interviewed by the collaborator, the so-called ghostwriter. Okay. And and I think it's Jason Turbo is his name and and we get along really well. I like where it's going. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of interesting questions come up, like, what do you say about your ex-wives? And do you mention any of the women on the road? Certainly not by name. Certainly not. Is that important? I don't know. We're kicking those questions around. Fascinating. Gilbert's jealous because the life of a rock star uh, seems yeah. very exotic. Tell, tell us some of your stories. <laughs> of After we're done, yeah. So I can live vicariously through you. I want to plug your children's book, too, Footloose, which came out in oh, 2017. Right. Yeah, and people can you. still get it. Yeah. On, it's, still on, it's on Amazon and where books are sold. It's a children's book. And yeah. basically, I took the story of Footloose and reinvented it. To where um, the animals in the zoo, because kids love animals, the animals in the zoo have this agreement with the zookeeper. He lets them out under a full moon, and they all get out and they dance. And then I just wrote to the tune of Footloose. I wrote the the lyrics of you know what animals were dancing. And it's pretty cute. Came out came out really good. I'm you, happy with it. You do a lot of work for children. You do, and you you worked here. You did a you did a some charity work for little kids rock. Yeah, in 2016. Yeah, I've done a, a couple of things with them, 
And I've been really enjoying lately, I've been enjoying mentoring young writers and performers. And um, we did. Um, Plug the, new album. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I, I was going to, and then you, you got me off into I'm that sorry other thing. about that. But um, yeah, so the, the mentoring thing has been fun and, and working with teens that are really talented. And we just did a production of the music from Footloose, both the play and the movie. I saw the work you did with in Montecito with the, the yeah. uh, with the the relief after the effort. after the mudslides uh, killed uh, twenty two people and and the kids wanted to do something they weren't allowed to get in the mud and look for their missing friends. Um, so they uh, called me and said we want to do a show, you know, because they were all like musical theater kids, and they said would you headline so that. We'll make sure we have an audience, but we want to do something to raise money to help the first responders. And so I said, no, this is, this is too good a thing. you got to do this entirely on your own. I'll come in and I'll produce the show and I'll help you get the band and the talent and the director. We just put it all together and I helped them focus their material so that it had something to do with the cause we were mm -hmm. there for. And we raised $70,000. Beautiful. And some of these kids have chops. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, the one of the guys went on to American Idol and made it almost all the way. That's sweet. Ja I should say his name, Jackson Gillies. Jackson Gillies. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he's in London now recording. So. Okay. And they're telling us to to, uh, to oh, promote to promote the new, the new record. Album. Yes, and it's called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. It's essentially a re-release of my greatest hits, but this time never before done on vinyl. Because wow. it was only a CD before, um, but now it's on this. Well, vinyl's back. You know, you know six thousand gram. You know, vinyl. You know, very audiophile piece, and it's in bright red and gold, translucent vinyl discs. It's pretty cool. I want one. When is this coming out? It is out now, I believe, and I could get that. Wow, it shipped today. Shipped today. All right. Hot what, off the presses. Where did We're it making ship news. to? Are there any record stores left? Oh, God. I wish. It shipped to my house. Today. I wish I'll there were record the stores. Did you see the documentary about Tower Records that Tom, Tom Hanks' son made? No, I haven't. You have to see it. It's, it's beautiful and heartbreaking. Wow. Yeah. So we'll look for it yesterday, today, and tomorrow. On CDs too, right? Hopefully. Well, it, it's no. Just it's, vinyl. This is just the vinyl release. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's for those who, you know, those few people who have record players. It's coming back. Yeah, it's coming it. back big. We have a sponsor here. You Turn Audio sells turntables. No kidding. Yeah, I yeah they one. make great ones. Rick, you got something to promote? Not right, not right <laughs> now. Not you yet. go to tour with you know, Gilbert? Well, you know, my wife and I are working on a movie. So we'll, you it's are? called Lily's Light. It should be out. Uh, we have distribution and everything. So maybe in a couple months. Wonderful. Really really? Yeah. Lily's yeah. Light. Lily's Light. That's it was Gilbert a PBS. name. Yeah, I know. Yes. I know. We talked about so uh, light. Lily's light. Yeah, it's an yeah. exciting. It's a, it's a children's musical, and it's it's uh, it was on PBS for a few years, and we yanked it, and we're uh, adding. You know, we added footage to make it a full length. You do a little bit of so, everything. Snake and mongoose. Love it all. You write. You, write, you perform on kids shows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll have to play that for my daughter. Yeah. 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 We'll send you a copy. You've ready. been playing since you were three years old. Yeah, I was a drummer. Unbelievable. Yeah. The yeah. talent. Yeah. Yep. My and, dad was a musician and uh, took me around and did a few gigs on drums at three. Oh, I could wow. play the fat back, which is that one, a couple other grooves. 
That's about it. But yeah, at yeah. three years old, what do you want? I don't remember. He was playing at three. You were writing songs at what, seven? No. Crazy, <laughs> crazy age. No. You were playing yeah. at, yeah, at yeah. You know, very young age. 16. 16. Okay. Still. He got on stage for the first time at 15. 15. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't written anything new since. <laughs> yeah. But you it was good stuff. It. Yes. <laughs> we also want to thank Ryan Romanesco and, and Michael Jensen for, for making this possible. I want to plug your appearances on uh, on Daryl's house. You oh, and Daryl yeah. Hall. Yeah, we we well, hit it off. Well, we, you know, we grew up together. You know? I didn't know that. We would take turns opening for each other. The, your, that ver Ooh, the that, two oh, versions nice. of "I'm All Right" and "Footloose" that you guys did were just cool. Terrific. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a good day. Terrific stuff. You want to take us out on uh, on one more? Can we can we trouble you for something? Something soft and sweet. We're going to dedicate this to okay. our, to Jay Murray, who's a big fan of yours. This is um, the reworking of um, House of Pooh Corner. I think I told you the story of when um, Luke was about to be born, and uh, I decided to make a children's record. Um, I added a new verse to this, and... Um, Actually, that's all I'm going to do for the rest of my career is add new verses to old songs. <laughs> Why not? And I've, I've got a Christmas version of Danger Zone I call Manger Zone. Oh, Manger Zone. <laughs> I love it. It should, it should be out soon. Love it. Right after Lily's Light. And, <laughs> right. And uh, so this is uh, called Return to Pooh Corner. If we can remember it. Yeah, I know. Two, three, and... Christopher Robin and I walked along under branches lit up by the moon Posing our questions to Alan Dio as our days disappeared all too soon But I wandered much further today than I should And I can't seem to find my way back to the world Help me up you can I've got to get back to the house at the corner by one Be surprised there's so much to be done And you go count all the bees and the high Chase all the clouds from the sky Chase the clouds Back to the days of Christopher Robin Hood Got a honey jar stuck on his nose He came to me asking help and advice From here no one knows where he goes So I sent him to ask of the owl if he's there How to loosen a jar from the nose of a bear Help me if you can, I've got to get Be surprised there's so much to be done Count all the bees in the hive Chase all the clouds from the sky Chase the clouds of Back to the days of Christopher Robin Hood
explain how a few precious things seem to follow throughout all our lives. After all said and done, I was watching my son sleeping there with my bear by his side. So I tucked him in, kissed him, and as I was gone, I swear that old bear whispered, boy, welcome home. Believe me, if you can, I finally come back to the house, who corner by one. What do you know? There's so much to be done. Count all the peace in the Chase all the clouds from the skies Back to the days of Christopher Robin Back to the ways of Christopher Robin Back to the days of Sound of one hand clapping. Wow. <laughs> clapping in the booth. My childhood is flashing before my eyes in 3D. Yeah. This is a, 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 a thrill, gentlemen. Mm. Thank you so much for coming here. Oh, my pleasure. And, thank and, you. And, yeah, thank and you. introduced Rick for us again. Rick, yeah. This is Rick Cowling. Uh, Rick has, yeah, as we said, been with me for quite some time now. And um, it's been a great run, Rick. And thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, your replacement will be here on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's sitting next to me. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you got the gig, Gilbert. Oh. Thank you for the music, sir. Thank you, Rick. This, this was great. Yeah, thank you, Gilbert. A real thrill. And, and I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal uh, obsessions. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. Amazing. <laughs> uh, this is, ah, fuck it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> he got the Gilbert. title wrong. I uh, yes, I'm Gilbert. Got you have a few minutes to sit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get this. Hi, I'm you're Gilbert. Ma you're making Godfrey. me feel better about myself. Yeah. Though. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try again. Hi. We're going to leave it in. I'm Gilbert Gottfried. See, I got that right. <laughs> and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And we have been talking to the man who made Steve Nicks. And this one song, <laughs> Steve Nicks, a star. <laughs> Kenny Loggins. Say hello to Steve next for us. <laughs> hey, Stevie, how you doing? Thanks, gents. <laughs> All right. A real right. kick. Thank you. Home for the holidays. I believe I've missed each and every face. Come on and play one easy. Let's turn on every love light in the place. It's time I found myself totally surrounded. In your circles Oh, my friends Please celebrate me home Give me a number, please 
to all alone I can sing me home An easy highway Traveling where the western winds can fly Somebody tried to tell me But the man forgot to tell me why I gotta count on being gone Come on, mama Come on, daddy, please 